This is Emmanuel God with us, the radio ministry of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Twin Falls, Idaho. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to our Lord's house this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities, with which I have ever offended you, and justly deserved your temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray you of your boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this, your confession, I, by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God to all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Today is the 24th Sunday after Trinity Sunday. The appointed Old Testament reading is written in the 51st chapter of Isaiah. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces? that pierced the dragon? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made the depths of the sea a way for the redeemed to pass over? And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. I, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? of the Son of Man who is made like grass, and have forgotten the Lord your Maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. And you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself to destroy. And where is the wrath of the oppressor? He who is bowed down shall speedily be released. He shall not die and go down to the pit, neither shall his bread be lacking. I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that it waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand, establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is written in Colossians, the first chapter. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. While Jesus was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And a report of this went through all that district. This is... The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We speak together the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Christ is risen. you would take out the uh, my grandson Kai uh, my grandson through Roger and Stephanie he likes to play video games and whenever the game is over or he loses he always says game over man game over that's kind of the way death is isn't it game over but it's really not a game at all is it death comes and steals away from us our loved ones, and one day death will take us too. As a congregation today, we mourn because of the death of Ruth Ray this last week. And we have in our gospel reading today the account of Jesus raising the daughter of Jairus from the dead. And so I thought this pamphlet that was put together by Dr. A.L. Berry, the president of our Senate many years ago, 
I thought that this would help us as a congregation as we talk about death and dying and we find comfort in God's word. We find comfort in Jesus who has conquered death and the grave for us. So let's take a, a look at this. I'll read through this and uh, make some comments as we, as we go along. Dr. Barry writes, Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Christians, we have a unique perspective on death, a perspective that is radically different from the world around us. This pamphlet is intended to help you or someone you know face death and understand what death is and how Christians face death and deal with grief. What is death? The Bible teaches that death is not an annihilation in which we cease to exist. There are church bodies that do believe that, that death is an annihilation, that you just cease to exist when death comes. But that's not the way it is for believers or unbelievers. Death is not an annihilation. Dr. Barry continues, he says, The scriptures teach that death is the separation of our eternal soul from our mortal bodies. Our bodies rest in the grave awaiting the final day when soul and body shall be reunited. At the moment of death, our souls and the souls of all those who die in faith immediately are in the presence of Christ and will enjoy his presence, peace, and joy until the great day of the resurrection of all flesh. The Bible tells us that at death, the body returns to the ground from which it was taken, and our soul is immediately with Christ. One of the great privileges and joys that I've had as a pastor is to be with members of our congregation and the congregations that I've served, to be with them when they are dying and to be there when one of our members takes their last breath. Just this past April, I was there with Lou Kruger, Roger and Donna were there, and I was singing to Lou, Abide With Me. I was singing the last verse of that hymn, Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes, shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. And as I was singing, Lou closed her eyes and breathed her last, and immediately her soul was with Christ, in heaven. Her body returned to the ground from which it was taken, but she is with Christ. She is with Christ now, and so are all of our loved ones who have gone before us. They are with Christ immediately in his presence, and that's what we have to look forward to as God's people, that when we take our last breath here and our eyes close, we will immediately be with Christ forever. Our body will return to the ground, and it will wait for the resurrection of the dead. So our loved ones now with Christ are waiting, waiting for Jesus to return, waiting for Jesus to raise their bodies from the grave. Well, that leads to the next question, is death natural? And the answer is no. Dr. Barry writes, it is popular to think of death as something that is natural. Some people even are heard to say death is a friend. Nothing could be further from the truth. Death is a horrible reality. It is the enemy we each face at the end of our lives. Death is the awful curse that fell on creation through the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Through that sin, death came into the world, and so death spread to all of humanity because all people sin. God did not create human beings to die, but to live, to live forever and enjoy Him forever. Death was not part of our created nature, but only something that came about as a result of the sinful disobedience of our first parents, a sinful disobedience that is passed down 
to every human being since that time. Look at the words that Dr. Berry uses to describe death. He describes death as something that is a horrible reality. It is an enemy. It is an awful curse. Death is not our friend. And death is the way in which God takes us from this life to life eternal, a portal to being with Christ true. But it comes about as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember, God said to Adam, if you eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, on that day you will most certainly die. And Adam did. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree, they died in their relationship with God. All of creation was cast into sin. And one day they died physically as well. And so death comes to all of us, and no one of us will be excluded from death unless our Lord Jesus Christ returns before death takes us. So why must we die? Well, Scripture clearly indicates that Christians, too, must pass through death to life. We learn that our bodies are actually dead right now because of sin. The body is dead because of sin, Romans 8.10, and so Christians, too, must die. So just because we believe in Jesus, we don't get a pass on death. We have the promise of the resurrection, but we don't get a pass on death. The sting of death and the sense of God's judgment are horrible punishments. And those who have no faith in Christ as their Savior, they face at the end of their life only the prospect of an unknown future or a terrifying vision of eternal damnation. However, the death of a Christian is not death in as full a sense as it is for the non-Christian. For the Christian, eternal life and joy follows death. For our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who walks with them through the valley of the shadow of death. So we all must die, but there are two in the Bible who didn't. Do you remember their names? Who didn't die? There's one in the Old, well, both of them are in the Old Testament. Remember who they are? Enoch, yep, the first one is Enoch in the book of Genesis. It says, Enoch walked with God and was not. He didn't die. And the other one is Elijah. Yeah, swing low, sweet chariot, coming for to carry me home. Right? So, yeah, those are the only two. Other than that, unless your name is Enoch or Elijah, well, even if your name is Elijah or Enoch, you're still going to die unless our Lord Jesus comes back. So how do we respond to death and dying? Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. These familiar words of Psalm 23 chart the direction for a Christian individual or family facing the reality of death. Here God identifies our greatest enemy in such times, fear. Since none of us, since none of us among the living has ever tasted death, we respond to the prospect of death, whether our own or that of someone we love, with fear. Fear is natural. I got a phone call one morning when I lived in Fargo. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, and there was a man in the hospital there who had been told that he had cancer, and it was terminal cancer. There was not much they could do, and that he was going to die. And uh, he lived in rural Minnesota, uh, probably 100, 100, 120 miles from Fargo. His pastor wasn't going to be able to go up in the middle of the night. And the nurse called me. And she asked me if I would come up and visit with him. And so I did at 2 a.m. in the morning and went up. And he was just so scared, afraid of this sentence of death. And even growing up in our church through his life, being confirmed and serving in the church as a leader in the church, fear overcame him. And so there in the hospital room in those early morning hours, 
I read to him from the scriptures. I sang to him the hymns of the church. And we talked about death. And finally there came a point where he said, okay, pastor, you can go home now. (laughs) And the word of God and the music of the church settled his fears. And that's what the word of God does for you and me. It gives us the strength we need to face death because we have the promise of Jesus who is the resurrection and the life. Dr. Barry writes, Now if fear is the enemy, who is our ally? The psalmist continues, For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Jesus, our good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for the sheep, is our companion on the dark winding road that leads through the valley of the shadow of death. The journey of death is not optional. Sooner or later, each of us, no matter how old or young, will walk that path. This will happen until that day when Jesus comes again, when at the last trumpet the faithful will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. But here is the important part. I walk through the valley. The one who is with us in that journey, who leads us on, bears the scars of death in his living body. He was dead, but now he lives forevermore. All who believe and are baptized will be saved and they have a share in his victory over death. Christians, therefore, are able to see death not merely as an unfortunate reality to be endured, but as a defeated enemy. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting are the sure and certain realities promised to all who remain faithful unto death. Remember that passage in Revelation 2.10, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of eternal life. The joy for us, is that we do not have to remain faithful unto death on our own. It is the Holy Spirit who has been given to you and me who strengthens us through that moment of death to remain in faith in Christ. We cannot bring ourselves to saving faith in Christ nor keep ourselves in faith. And so it is the Holy Spirit at work who keeps you and me faithful unto Christ even to the point of death. You know, in the Bible, there are those that Jesus raised from the dead Jairus' daughter from our reading this morning. He also raised Lazarus from the tomb. Lazarus come out and the dead man walks out. And Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And then there's the widow of Nain, her son who had died. And Jesus stops the, the casket in the funeral procession and says, young man, I say to you, get up. I wonder what their perspective on death was after Jesus gave them life again. Because they died again. And I wonder how their perspective changed because Jesus had given them life and had been raised from the dead on Easter. I wonder how they faced death, maybe still with some fear and trepidation. But regardless, the Holy Spirit kept them faithful through death just as he does for us. So what happens after we die for unbelievers? There is the second death in which their souls are immediately in the presence of Satan and immediately began to suffer the torment of eternal punishment in hell, from which there is no possibility of escape. On the day of judgment, their bodies join their souls in hell. So no second chance, no purgatory, no opportunity to get out. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Now is the day to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if one dies without saving faith in Christ, there is no second chance. And that should be an impetus to you and me that should move us to action to share the gospel with others so that they know of Christ and his resurrection and eternal life. 
Those who trust in the redemption won by Christ our Lord pass from death to life. This is why the Bible uses so many comforting images to describe the death of a child of God. Here are some of the phrases the Holy Spirit uses to describe a Christian's death. Being gathered unto one's people. Departure in peace. Departure in being with Christ. A turning away from the evil to come. Sleep, rest, passing from death to life. Deliverance from all evil. And finally, gain. Gain? How can death be gain? When a baptized child of God passes through death, a son or daughter of God who has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then death is gain. Through death, the children of God pass into an eternity of joy and peace with their heavenly Father. Each Christian, therefore, may rejoice in the life that Christ has won and gives to him or her through the word and the sacraments. When we die, our souls await the final consummation of all things on the day Christ returns. We shall receive glorified bodies that are free from tears, pain, sickness, and age, perfectly renewed and glorified resurrection bodies. This body will be glorified. The body that you now have is the body you will have for all of eternity. And it is a bodily resurrection. We, our goal is not to die and become an angel, right, and to float on the clouds and eat Philadelphia cream cheese. That's not our goal. Our goal is to die and our body to be raised again. This body that is perishable will be raised imperishable. This body that is mortal will be raised immortal. And these bodies will be glorified like Jesus' glorified body. And I would propose to you that in heaven we will recognize one another. Well, I'll just take off my glasses so that you'll recognize me in heaven. <laughs> because I won't have glasses, but I have to put them back on now because you're all blurry. So in these new and glorified bodies, we shall spend all of eternity in heaven enjoying the presence of God and all his saints forever and ever. The overwhelming joy of this truth is almost too much for us even to begin to comprehend, but it is true. So how do we face death? Christians face death as they face life with their eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. We cling to the promises of his word, which, when facing death, seem even more wonderful and powerful. One of the most beautiful promises our Lord gave to us is found in John 14. Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And when I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We realize that no matter how our lives end, there is one thing of which we can be absolutely certain. We shall pass from death to life, from this life to the life beyond with our Lord. And there we shall rejoin all our loved ones and others who have gone before us trusting in Christ their Savior. I was struck by his words that we face life and death with our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. Shirley was a member of my congregation up in Stony Plain. And she was 49, had cancer, and she died on March the 4th in the morning. Early morning hours, Larry called me up, and I went over to the house. and We were visiting, and, and Larry was, was telling me what had happened in those moments right before Shirley died. And, and uh, she was in bed, and on the wall was a, was a picture of Jesus. And Larry was holding Shirley in his arms. 
And she said, Larry, I can see Jesus. And she said, I need to go and be with Jesus. And Larry said, go. And she did. And Larry and I agreed that it wasn't the picture of Jesus on the wall that she was seeing. She was seeing our risen Lord Jesus, and he was calling her home to be with him. And Larry and I were filled with joy that morning because she was with Christ, which is better by far, St. Paul says. So how do we deal with grief? We the ones who are left behind. Well, Christians should not hesitate to cry. That's an important one. Our Lord wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and we too find ourselves in tears at the pain of our loss. But we do not sorrow in the same way as those who have no hope. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We look forward to a grand reunion with loved ones who have died in the faith. Still, we miss them. The separation can seem overwhelming at times. This pain is part and parcel of grieving. It is to be understood, not resisted. Grieving for most people is a journey. It is a journey from the initial pain of parting toward healing and reconciliation with our loss. The pain gradually subsides, but the loss remains. Grief has many dimensions and may seem unpredictable in its ebb and flow, yet in Christ we find strength along the way. For in this journey, we are not alone. Have you ever noticed in grief, it might be years later, you hear a song on the radio and you remember your loved one now with Christ? Or there's a smell, the smell of the turkey at Thanksgiving, something that causes you to think about your loved one who is now with our Lord. Or there's a situation and and it's, it's almost like grief returns in that moment, and I think that's the way grief is. After every round of golf that I would play, I would phone my dad, and I would talk to my dad about that round of golf. When he played a round of golf and he got done, he would phone me. It was just what my dad and I did. And then when my dad died, there was no one to call anymore. And at the end of a round of golf, when I get into my car and I shut the door, I want to reach for the cell phone and call my dad. I can't do that anymore. And there are those types of things that just bring back that moment of grief for us. And that's part of grief. And it's not wrong and it's not bad. It's okay. And in those moments, give thanks to God for our loved ones who are now with him. Finally, he writes, Christians find that family and friends are God's gifts to help them bear the pain of loss which at times seems unbearable. Such company is important in dealing constructively with grief. It must be consciously sought out by those who mourn. Most who mourn find it very helpful to tell the story of the death of those they love, to family, to trusted friends. The repeated narrating of that story brings release and insight into the joy and sorrow of the parting. Friends and family will want to lend a listening ear and heart for such telling and retelling. It is a rare privilege to be entrusted with such treasures. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Take time to listen to one another, to listen to our stories of grief. It's an important part of grieving. And it's one of the ways that we love one another 
And so if you're listening to the story and it's the hundredth time, listen to it as though it's the first time. And be patient with one another in our grief. Sometimes we want to just move people through grief quickly. So it's like, it's been two months, you know, mom should be over dad's death. No, everyone grieves differently and take time to listen and to care for one another. And we all deal with grief differently. Above all, Christian mourners will turn to the worship fellowship of the church and the rich comfort of God's holy word and sacraments for healing along the path of grief. For Jesus Christ abides within his church through his sacred means of grace. Through these channels he bestows the the riches of his forgiveness, life, and salvation now and to all eternity. One day we too shall stand with that great multitude of heaven who hear these blessed words. So don't stay away from the house of the Lord in your grief. Come to the house of the Lord. Come to the sacrament of the altar. Hear the word of God. Take the body and blood of Christ. And in these ways, God strengthens us in our grief. Dr. Barry closes with these words from Revelation 21. Now the dwelling of God is with men. and He will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Thanks be to God. For Christ is risen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord to life everlasting. Amen. Jesus, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.